You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This podcast is brought to you by Texture.com. Check it out. You can get any magazine you want digitally, offline, or online. Basically. People call it the Netflix of magazines. You can download it to any device. And good magazines, too, not just some random ones. You can get Entertainment Weekly, ESPN, Sports Illustrated, Traveler, uh, Shape, Bon Appetit if you like to cook, Vanity Fair. Check it out in our show notes. Again, texture.com. That helps us out keeping this podcast free for everyone. And their offer right now is you can read all summer long. Well, I know summer's halfway over by now, but three months for just $10 long. Just check our show notes and uh, give texture.com a try. Now on to the show. All right, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire podcast. Talking Hawaii football today. Jeremy Moss hanging out with uh, Matt Kennerly each and every week. Soon to be multiple times a week once the season gets here. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be great. Website, uh, collegefootballnews.com. Backslash, yeah, still the backslash. Maybe it changes by then, I don't know. Backslash MWC Wire. Same on Patreon.com, Facebook, Twitter, all the fun stuff. Subscribe to our pages. Give us money on Patreon. But you can also win money from us on Patreon. Yes. Are you going to be one of the people participating in fantasy football, Matt? I'm sure I can scrounge up 10 or 20 bucks for that, yeah. Well, you don't have to. This is where we They play against us. We get a free entry to this. No, that's true. Which means we don't win the money, too. So if you're in a league with myself, with Matt, whomever... If you get second, you still win the money. That's a good deal, right? I think so. So the way it works really quick, we, this is going to be the Hawaii football show. Um, at this point, we should probably um, – leagues are probably still open. Now we can make some more. The deal is um, with being one conference, they tap, they max it out at six teams per league, which means you can have a backup quarterback in every league and be fine. There's some waiver wire maneuvering you can do. And it ranges in price from – $10 for the year, and some people said real money, so we made $100 per team um, league. So if you have a high roller, go for it. The plan is um, you go to Patreon, read the rules. You pay for – just pay for the four months. So if it's a $100 league, $25 a month for the for the season. $10 league, $2.50 through the season. That's just what the way it's set up. And half of it, winner take all, half of it supports our website. So that's a win-win, I think, you and us as well. Yeah, I mean, you get to do something cool, get a chance to win some money, and in the long run, you're helping us do some cool stuff as well. So definitely and, check that out if you haven't already. And if you win, you can make fun of us. Like, who are these dummies? They don't know what they're talking about. Exactly. There's that as well. So let's get to our preview show now. Hawaii football. Since we last talked and we did, we discussed win totals a while ago, Hawaii's actually changed. Bovada put out some new odds. It doesn't change much for me because they stick them at four and a half compared to four. Mm-hmm. which you can't win if it's a whole number. So does that really change anything to you? Uh, for me personally, it does not. I don't know that it's much of a spoiler because, I mean, we're going to talk about the schedule at some point. But I'm fairly optimistic about Hawaii and the over this year. I think most people are. They're in the West Division, which isn't very good outside of San Diego State. 
that's the haven for new head coaches, Fresno, San Jose State, Nevada. So you got three new head coaches. Um, Tony Sanchez is still trying to work his way up at UNLV, but there's plenty of, um, well, there's only one place for second place, and it's probably Hawaii. So spoiler, Hawaii's second place. Show's over. Good night. Huh. <laughs> Not exactly, but it's it's. We've discussed. If you heard our other shows when we're talking about San Jose or Nevada, well, I guess Nevada kind of changed with James Butler news, but I'm pretty sure you guys know by now. Especially if you are looked at our win total post. We like Hawaii quite a bit. Yeah, and I think, you know, not only for our own personal purposes, but I think that college football as a whole is just better when Hawaii is at least fun to watch. And for the first time since, you know, who knows when, they actually were pretty fun to watch last year. When you could watch them. When you could watch them, yeah. Oh, jeez. That's another story for another day. They need to make their money too, guys. We're not... We're not against that. So let's start with Hawaii. They're, like I said, one of the few Western Division teams that has continuity from last year with Nick Rolovich, who is my vote for Coach of the Year no matter what because he's the most fun coach. Yeah, my Coach of the Year because you remember the Twitter fight he had last year at Media Days with, uh, was it fake Brian Harson or Coach Harson or something? I do remember that. Let's look, look out for that. So we'll post stuff on there about it. But at this point, you've already laughed about what happened at Media Days for the, those two interactions. But – He's in year two, and their second half of the year is similar to Colorado State, where they started off poorly, but then picked up things in the second half of the season, where they eventually beat Brett Stock, still a Middle Tennessee State, in their bowl game to finish pretty impressive seven and seven in year one. Well, and not only that, you know, one of the things that it seems like we talk about it year in and year out with Hawaii is that you know one of the things that they really need to do is learn how to win on the road. And when you look at the wins that they had last year, you know, they went to San Jose State, San Jose State and beat the Spartans pretty handily. They went to Air Force and pulled an overtime upset. They went to Fresno State and won a fairly, you know, close, you know, kind of win ugly kind of game. You know, granted, there were still some hiccups in there where they got blown out at San Diego State and, you know, didn't really get a chance to run with Arizona early in the year in non-conference play. Michigan. Yeah, I mean, but that's kind of like a whole, you know, with all the traveling that they were doing this time last year, you know, they don't really have that to look forward to this year. And I think it's a good sign for them that they have been more competitive last year than they were in many years past on the road. Yeah, they've been, there's been some pretty bad blowouts. The, the, the road game, like I said, travel last year, going to Sydney, Ann Arbor, home to Hawaii, home at Hawaii, then out to Tucson, that's still that's a brutal trip so it's going to change this year a bit they still travel but they're not doing as much but one thing too that's let's get to the offense here hawaii finally has a quarterback set in place that's not coming off an injury injury not at this former was it ohio state transfer coming coming in to save the day end up having shoulder injuries shoulder issues drew brown took over part way through last year now he's the guy this is the first time in i don't know when's the last time colt brennan they've actually had a solidified quarterback in place well sean schroeder started for oh years. okay sean schroeder okay it's, even then that's about midway point but my point is it's been a while and now they have the guy in drew brown who someplace i think athlon put him as the fourth team quarterback i believe or no uh yeah fourth team quarterback and which is i think it deserved because he you know more so than pretty much any other quarterback in the conference he kind of came out of nowhere 
you know, and if you look at the numbers that he put up last year, you know, he finished well over 60%. He ended up at, you know, 62% completion rate. You know, he had 19 touchdowns to just seven interceptions. So that's like a nearly three to one ratio. And he even pitched in with his legs running, you know, after you adjust for sacks, he ran for over 450 yards last year. I think, you know, that in itself, the fact that they have a guy who could actually throw the ball made a world of difference. Because I know that we talked in the past about, you know, guys like Max Wittick and Akai Kouzi, who, you know, they just, they weren't good enough as passers to really make the offense work. And Brown's ability to, you know, not only, you know, move the ball, but to be able to push the ball down the field too, made, you know, a lot of difference in some of these games that they ended up winning last year. Yeah, he moved the ball well. Like he, like just in uh, October, he had the uh, one of the better passing ratings in the conference. I'm trying to break it on far, further. But October, he when his had five starts, he was number four in passing rating. So he is a nine to two interception ratio in that first full. I guess that's his five starts he had essentially. Mm-hmm. So he's the guy. So he's gonna. He played in every game last year. I, he did. Oh, he didn't start. Well, he didn't start every game. He Mick came in it here and there. Michigan, UT Martin, Arizona got the start, but having that in place, yeah, they lose Marcus Kemp, but how many, if you look at the league, this league for quarterbacks, you got Brett Rippon, you assume Nick Stevens is fine based off of last year's first month was kind of weird. You have only a couple of league teams that have good quarterbacks in place. Like you compare Drew Brown to Aaron Worthman of Air Force. They both came midway, but game control the offense. Kent Myers is a full-time starter. It adds about half the league. But he also he's not like Chase and Virgil, who's a returning starter, but as a new head coach, he's the same thing would probably Josh Levin, San Jose State. So just with Hawaii, that just gives me a boost in what they can do this year with having him out there, and they're going to need him to. Um, has a couple of new receivers because they lose Marcus Kemp, but what Drew Brown did off the bench to come into play, now now he knows he's the guy. Spring football, uh, fall camp getting underway now. I don't think he could surpass any of the other three quarterbacks, but I think number four is exactly where he should be by the time the season ends. In kind of going back to my point about being able to push the ball down the field too, like we've talked at length about how Brett Rippon and Josh Allen are basically, you know, one and two in the quarterback race, right? And we talk especially about Allen and his big playability, right? If you go back though and you look at what quarterbacks in the Mountain West did as far as long passing plays. You know, Josh Allen and Rippon were number one and two in 20-yard plays and 30-yard plays, but Drew Brown was right behind them at number three. And, you know, even though they lose Marcus Kemp, I think that the talent that they have coming back may be like, you know, maybe they don't have a 1,000-yard rusher or a 1,000-yard receiver like they did in camp last year, but I think they could have you know, two or three guys who could catch, you know, 40, 50 passes for, you know, seven or 800 yards, which would enable, I think, Brown to be even better than he was last year. It could be more guys like John Nurse is probably going to be their main guy. He's, I, he had 650 yards last year, three TDs. I bet he could have a thousand yards this year, perhaps, or very close to it. Very close, yeah. He's going to be their main guy. They'll have a couple guys like, is it um, Dylan Colley still on? He's been there forever, it seems like. He he's gonna be he's gonna be back and maybe he'll finally catch some of his brother's genes. Austin call it to be a better wide receiver, but he'll get a chance too, just moving up to getting more opportunities. You have him back. You have uh, like we mentioned this before. I think uh, Devin Stubble, Stubblefield didn't play last year. He's gonna be back. Same with Isaiah Bernard. So these are those are a couple of guys right there who could come in 
and do big things. When they both played in 2015, those two guys combined for uh, 51 catches. So maybe that's going to be part of the difference as well to make up Marcus Kemp's 73 and 1,100 yards. And, I mean, I think it makes a difference that, you know, Hawaii has kind of like a range of targets that Brown is going to be able to throw to because on one on the one hand, you have guys like Kali and, you know, another guy like, you know, Kiwan, uh, Kilan Iwaliko, for example, who are probably going to do their best work in the slot, you know, versus a guy like Ursua who could probably be step up and be the team's deep threat. Versus, you know, a red zone target like Amon Barker, who didn't get a lot of opportunities last year, but, you know, he's probably going to end up with a big feature role as the, you know, the guy you throw it up to for the red zone fade or something like that. Which we all hate to fade. Yeah. Or or if it's not him, they have a big tight end in Matui Sela Unga, oh who, you know, he only had 12 catches last year, but he made a lot of them count because he ended up with five touchdowns, which is second best on the team. And I think, you know, with regards to Brown, you know, not only is he going to have all these weapons back, he himself could be better because, you know, one of the things that really plagued him, especially last year, was turnovers, which, you know, we've talked about it. It's more obvious with a guy like Josh Allen, for instance, and his all of the interceptions he had last year. Brown only had seven interceptions, which is good, but he also had six fumbles that he lost and nine fumbles total. If he can cut that in half, that could make a significant difference for how good this offense could be going into 2017. So let's go to the writing game then, because that's an area where they they do lose uh, Paul Harris and Stephen Lakalaka, but they still bring back, I'll call him Juice, Dice May St. Juiced. Is that correct? Did I get it right finally? I saw something out of the media guys. Oh, man, come on. It's, apparently it's uh, Diosomy. Diosame? Or, yeah. All right, Diosame. Oh, no, I remember. Oh, wait. Maybe when I was talking to uh, the guys from Hawaii, Bobby Curran. Yeah, let's go Diosame St. Juiced. We'll do that. Thousand yards, three TDs. My big concern is uh, Laka Laka was a pretty good touchdown threat with 13. They're missing and they're losing. Uh, or no, sorry. Uh, I was thinking of Melvin Davis there. Apologies. No, but they lose 13 TDs from Laka Laka. And it's basically a one-two punch. 165 carries for St. Juice to 102 to Laka Laka. But obviously Juice is the guy. But that 13 touchdowns, that's a, that's a pretty big loss. And he never fumbled the ball, unlike you have uh, St. Juice who had a couple, a pair of fumbles lost last year. And then you also have, is like you mentioned, Drew Brown with those six. So there's a couple of... Uh, who's going to be the number two back then? There's not many people on this depth chart. Technically... Um, we don't count Melvin Davis, John Ursa is the number two returning rusher, excluding Drew Brown. And that was eight yards. See, I don't think that they're really lacking for options because it's not like they asked Laka Laka to do much more than to you know be able to pound it in within five yards or something like that. I think that they may have a couple of options in that regard because they do have, you know, a couple of bigger backs and a guy like Freddie Hawley the third, who I believe back in 2015 was a three-star guy, uh, or rather 2016, excuse me. So you know he and he's six foot two ten. He could be a guy who could pound the rock inside, you know, or maybe you know they give a freshman like Hikili Kelly Iliki a chance, you know, because at least as far as guys who are listed on the roster, he's the biggest dude they have in the backfield. He's six foot two and 225. Also, he probably has the most vowels in his last name as well. That is, yeah, that's definitely true. 
<laughs> so, I mean, but I think it's going to be interesting to see just how much they choose to increase St. Just's workload because, you know, he only ran for a thousand yards last year, but he only had 165 carries. So I'm curious to see, you know, whether they allow him to get up to 200 carries, 220 carries, or whether it's, you know, still kind of like it's been in the last couple of years. Because, like, even when they were really successful running the ball in 2015, you know, Paul Harris only had 197 carries that year. I'm really interested to see how that shakes out if they have a guy who steps up to take that number two spot. Seriously, thing, looking at really quick at the uh, players who had 50 or more carries last year, mm-hmm. he would have been ninth. I guess you have Kurt Palandek at UNLV, but he had he was ninth in the conference in uh, rushing attempts. Mm-hmm. But then you look at his uh, overall yardage that sticks him at number uh, set, well, I guess eight, top ten. Like that's still pretty impressive. Ninth in rushing yards or ninth in attempts overall, thousand rushing yards, but a 6.1 average. Oh, that's what I was getting at. With guys over 50 attempts, he's like a top eight guy in uh, yards per carry. When you go to 100 attempts per more, I know Tim McVeigh will get more. He had 83. That puts him up even higher. So I, I'm wondering if he can keep that same production up if he does get to – what? how many carries do you think he'll get? Can he double that? Can he get to 250? Because James Butler, 260. McNichols, 314. Hill, 349. Pumphrey, 349 as well. I think they need to get him up double that just about because they don't have a solidified backup in my opinion. See, I don't think that that's necessarily true just because of the fact that they have so many options behind him. It's just going to be a matter of which of those guys is going to step up and seize a role going into fall camp. That's, you know, because we know they're probably going to be lead with the pass in the same way that they did last year. You know, and you kind of saw that in the spring game as well, where, you know, Brown ended up having a few 30, 40, 50 yard plays to guys like Ursua and Colley. It's just, I don't know who that number two guy is going to be, but I think they need to find him no matter what. Oh, yeah, they have to. I just think with him in, he's, I think he's going to get more carries regardless. He, he's Maybe definitely going to get more carries. I don't think it's going to be to, you know, 250. It's probably going to be no. closer to 200, I think. That's what I'm thinking. Get him at least 150. I say between 175 and 200 is probably where they should have him back, and that's where if he's going to be, even if he drops a little bit of a 6.1 to 5.8, that's still fine. It's still going to be a little bit more difficult to keep that production with more carries. Yeah. And then let's go to the offensive line here, who they have coming back. I should have looked at this before, but they there's a couple of guys. They what The biggest loss is, uh, here we go. Get ready to laugh, folks. Right guard. Lee, I got Leo. That's easy, right? Yes. Kola Montangi is gone. Is that good, you think? You missed an O in there, but I'll let it slide. I said Colo, didn't I? Kolo Matangi. Kolo Matangi, close enough. Leo is gone. He had 14 starts, or 13 starts, all Mountain West All-Conference. Honorable mention, I should say. And then also lose some starts from R.J. Hollis. So, they, biggest positions back, though. Asute Eli and Dijon Allen, center, left tackle, are back. And they had plenty of guys who played last year. And so, I think the drop-off, if any, probably not, should be at least the same with the amount of guys coming back who have career starts because they have one, two, three, four guys back with 17 or more career starts. Well, and not only that, but one of the guys they're plugging in on the offensive line, you know, probably is Fred Ulu Perry, who, mm-hmm. by the way, was a former four-star recruit at UCLA. Yep. You know, he's probably going to be the center, which pushes uh, Asatua Eli over to guard, if I'm not mistaken. Probably the right guard. 
And that's going to be a really formidable interior line because you've got guys who had experience, like even, you know, Elijah Tupai, who is probably going to take over for Koloa Matangi. He still had a few starts last year, so it's not as though he's stepping in fresh without any game experience in the system. When he started the year before every game also, because he has 17 total. Yeah. And I mean, I think between, you know, the experience they have coming back and Drew Brown's own mobility, he, like he only allowed, or he only had 18 sacks last year, which is above average in the Mountain West. And I think that when you consider all of those things, you know, if they stay healthy along the line, it could be really special, I think. So let me ask you this, in the West Division, who has the best offense? Would you put Hawaii maybe better than San Diego State overall? That's really hard to say because, you know, we, we've talked about the Aztecs before. The, we know what they're going to do, and they do it extremely well. And then, you know, they have a little more of a track record, I would say, than, you know, Rolovich in his one year of success. So, you know, there, there is a little bit of a prove-it thing because, you know, Drew Brown is going to have to get a little bit better. They are going to have to re- find a number two back. They are going to need to replace Marcus Kemp's production somehow. But, you know, are they an easy number two? Probably. Especially with James Butler gone now at Nevada. Yeah. All right. I was just curious because we're, t- we're talking pretty highly about this offense. And I think it's deservedly so. But maybe we should pump the brakes a little bit about saying, I just brought it up because they have talent back there with transfers and big receivers and guys coming off in injuries. But, yeah, I think number two in the West is fine. They're probably... Middle, just above middle of the pack, they're not as good as Boise or CSU or even New Mexico. I'd say they're probably, I'd say them and Wyoming are probably probably pretty similar in what the production we should expect. Mm-hmm. All right, you ready for some defense? Let's do it. Okay, so Hawaii, they're not really known for defense too much. <laughs> However, well, let's start off with the big news that's unfortunate that happened recently. They are losing their one of their better defensive players, defensive linemen. Um, here we go again. You ready for me to butcher a name? Let's do this. Always, right? That's the answer, always. Ka'a Umanoa Gif- Gifford has been suspended for the upcoming season. That's not good. Not good. Apparently, he's only it's only for the year. And it's a, it was a violation of team rules, but technically it was a university policy rule he broke to why he's not going to be eligible this season. He could return to the team down the road. But the school issue is a mandated one-year removal from team. And the defensive line is already sort of thin. He wasn't expected to be like an all-conference player per se, but their defensive line wasn't extremely deep going into this year. Because now it means they have three guys off of last year's team that are no longer there up front. I mean, I think what helps a little bit is that, you know, they have guys who have been around in the system who could contribute. Like... Yeah, they're going to be losing Gifford, which kind of sucks, but they do have, you know, guys like Tevarua Eldridge coming back or, you know, Kaimana Padello, who didn't get a lot of run last year, but could step in and be just fine. You know, the guys they have, you know, starting like David Manoa was pretty solid last year. And I think it's going to help that have, they have a rotation in the middle, you know, a defensive tackle. They've got, you know, Mephi Kola Matangi, Leo's brother, I believe. Um, maybe. However, he's probably, by the time you hear this, you'll know where he's at, but he's, according to, like, the athlon and stuff, he's projected, like, a first-team defensive lineman. Yeah. 
And, you know, they have, you know, other guys like Vianne Moala, who's only a sophomore, but if I'm not mistaken, he's put on like 20 or 30 pounds from last year. So they've got some beef in the interior that I think could make that loss a little more palatable. Still, it's still, it's still a big loss, but they also have depth too, like going, not just those guys, but going around. If you look at the amount of games they had guys last year, they have a lot of guys who played double digit games last year. Mm-hmm. It looks like about what, 70 or so games played last year. Despite you'll see guys who have like oh, only uh, three tackles where he played every game, like in Kamani uh, or Kayamani Padelo, he played every game, but production wasn't there. But he's had game action. My point is, a lot of guys have seen seen action on the field. Yeah, they do have to replace about ten sack or ten TFLs, a couple of sacks last year on that defensive front. But if you have guys like these three hundred pounders, like maybe Anthony Marmora, a freshman. You got uh, Penito Falago, maybe. 300-pounder as well. 5'11", 300. That's like an icebox back there. <laughs> just sitting in the way. Guy's got 320-pounders, but maybe, like I said, they got the beef just kind of... Again, the West Division, without Butler, the only running game they really have to worry about is uh, Richard Penny. And so they can slow down whoever San Jose State brings out. Maybe Fresno's a little bit better, but we talked about how their offensive line hasn't been that great last year. We'll see what Dontel James can do, but if they have the... I think they have enough experience to where it's not a huge loss, but if they lose another guy or two to any sort of time, that's where things get really dicey. Did you realize that Hawaii led the Mountain West in tackles for loss last year? I did not. It's a pretty good stat there. I think that that's really interesting because I think it it kind of illustrates how, you know, yeah, I mean, a lot of that had to do with, you know, someone like Jelani Tabai who had 19 and a half tackles on, for loss on his own. But, I mean, further down the depth chart, you know, you had a whole bunch of guys with, like, you know, two tackles for loss, two and a half, three and a half. So it's not like they need one guy to step up and be disruptive. They just need that committee of youngsters and veterans to really come together and, you know, have that same kind of effectiveness. Well, if you look at them, I'm, I'm adding the numbers up really quick when you mentioned that because they do return um... – John Tavi back. He's going to be a first team all conference player. The defensive line loses, looks like eight and a half TFLs. They lose only two from the uh, linebacker position. Uh, Guilford had one, so that's like 11. They don't lose that many TFLs, a couple from the secondary. I guess maybe 20 overall, which is a good number. But if you take away 20, that still puts them top half of the conference, 92 to 72. And you got to believe if they, even if they just get that, that's still pretty good. Yeah. Five five and a half per game, so there's places to make that. I don't know. It's tough. Maybe, who knows if uh, uh, Tavi can get above nineteen and a half? Because that's a pretty big deal. Seven sacks there. If he can get anywhere close to that, th- maybe we underrated the defense a little bit of getting back to the quarterback. But they don't lose too much, in my opinion, to cause some disruption. And I mean, for whatever questions they have on that line, it could be you know it could be countered by the fact that these linebackers could be really good. Like they could quietly be, you know, in the top three as far as units in the mountain West, you know, because not only do you have a guy like Tavai who was an obvious playmaker, but you know, he's being flanked by two guys in Malachi Miguel and Russell Williams jr. Who had 13 tackles for loss between them on their own. And even behind them, they've got guys who could step up and pitch in if they need it, like you know Jeremiah Pritchard, uh, you know Solomon Mata Utia, who 
you know, could play more of like a flex, like safety linebacker hybrid kind of thing, especially in this conference, that's probably going to be a little more pass happy than it was in the past. Those guys, you know, if you look at, you know, Bill Connolly's Havoc rate, which is, you know, I'm trying to remember what it is off the top of my head. It's, you know, tackles for loss plus, you know, passes defended and sacks and everything like that. Basically positive plays that linebackers make. As a unit, they were 30th in the nation last year, which is really good. And, you know, if they can improve or if they can hold on to their improvements that they made against the pass, you know, because in the beginning of the year, I'm trying to find the number that I saw. In the first three or four games, they allowed nearly 70% completion rates. And they cut that down to 60% in the last 10 games. And while that's not great, that's a lot better than, than basically turning everybody into Logan Woodside every week. Exactly. Yeah. Here's one thing as well, it's kind of overall defense. Looking, I'm looking at a few of those numbers there. Are you surprised, like, the, their projected defensive rank from S&P Plus is 118? That seems pretty low. I think that's because there's probably even more questions in the secondary. Yeah, because... so, yeah, let's go to that before we go back to this. But you're right, yeah, secondary. Go ahead, because you there, lose quite a few have, guys. You have Trayvon Henderson, who's really good in his own right, and question mark? <laughs> I mean, he did, I mean, he, he was basically a do-it-all athlete last year. He had ten and a half tackles for loss. He had three interceptions, seven pass breakups, and that you know, is good enough to be, you know, all conference worthy. But they're losing three starters. And when you lose that much in, you know, in the defensive backfield, that can make a significant difference. And they do get a guy like Daniel Lewis coming back to you know, line up opposite Henderson. But, you know, whoever's going to play cornerback is an open question. And that, I think, is going to be really critical for them. I guess if we stick with the division or schedule they play... It's not going to be an issue. Like when they play at Wyoming, that'll be an issue because Josh Allen, CSU as well, but not so much when they play Nevada. Well, maybe Nevada because the way they're going to pass, but we don't know who their quarterback is, or we don't. And receiving core is we'll, we'll see for Nevada, but like who they play, like Wyoming, CSU, and BYU. That's about it, really. Unless you want to count the uh, Armani Rogers just Cam Newton thing. <laughs> yeah, we could slow that roll. Uh, that's a. That's a. No, that's not a. Not slowing. That's a back it up. That's a that's a, not even a moving forward. That's not even stop. Reverse it. But who they face like the passers? Uh, maybe Utah State a little bit with Kent Myers. But who they play like? There'll be issues like UCLA playing Josh Rosen early on in Wyoming. But like overall, there are only a couple of teams they play that really gonna have really good quarterbacks they'll face. Yeah, those three guys in weeks uh, three through six, and then BYU end of the year and. Who knows? Maybe Christian Chapman gets a little bit better. Maybe a Chase and Virgil. They have a good lot of receivers in Fresno. There's just not like looking at who they play. I'm not saying they'll be okay, but they're they're not like they're facing eight quarterbacks who are going to throw for th- average 300 yards this year. It's about half their schedule features above average quarterbacks. Well, that's a concern. Nevada, San Jose, like um, I guess Fresno a little bit, Utah State, good quarterbacks, but they don't all they all together don't have the combination of receiver and quarterback i would say or elite quarterbacks in passing that's true that's a little little something there trying to be positive there we're not being negative like we are all the time 
Yeah, I mean, that's true. It's just, you know, to me, you know, they have options. It's just kind of a big mystery. Like, it's going to be really interesting to see whether Rolovich decides to go with, you know, younger guys like Rogesterman Ferris or, you know, Kalen Hicks, um, who are actually pretty big, rangy dudes, or whether he decides to go with someone with a little more experience like, a, you know, Manu Hudson Rasmussen. You know. So let's go to the overall defense really quick before we get to the schedule here. Looking at a couple of things, like I mentioned moments before, like they projected 118 in S&P. They only bring back about 56% of their completion, or their, uh, not completion, production on defense, which I thought would be a bit more, but we mentioned all those TFLs that are gone. I guess they had a luck factor a little bit involved as well, which their turnover margin could have been worse last year. They were minus eight, which put them near the bottom of the conference, right out similar right around with Boise and Fresno at minus nine. While the defense held up production, they weren't like getting their own interceptions. Like eleven interceptions, not bad. They're just kind of average, but I think it goes back to, like you said with Drew Brown, how many fumbles he lost. I wanna see this I don't it's gonna take two efforts to get this better because Brown needs to protect the ball better. And then as we mentioned secondary, who's gonna be back there to maybe get some interceptions? They were a seven a 500 team, 7-7 seven and seven being minus 8. Like, them in Boise State were the anomaly to be as good as they were last year with a winning record or 500 or better. Fresno had a losing record. Utah State had a losing record. You had New Mexico, who's minus 1, which is negligible, in my opinion. Same with CSU. But if you're minus 5 or worse, you're usually going to have a losing record. So if Utah – or if uh, – not Utah State. Sorry, I'm staring at them. If Y can get to minus 2, how many more wins could that be compared to last year? That's a good question. It's kind of a luck thing, but it's something to look at. It's always the turnover margin's a big deal. If you go for a minus eight to zero, that could be a bunch of points there. And we'll see at the schedule they play. That could be in a victory over who knows, Utah State or something, because that's not a gimme for them or something like that. But anything else we need to add, or is it time for the schedule talk? I mean, I think with Hawaii, one one last thing. It's also worth noting that they're replacing both their kicker and their punter. Uh-oh. Because we know that, you know, Rigoberto Sanchez did both for the, for the Warriors last year. And we don't really know much about Alex Trefanovic. Like, he did have two successful field goals in the spring game. But, you know, between him and Ryan Meskel, who is a true freshman coming from Australia, they're, you know, they're going to have pretty lofty expectations, I think, because we know that, you know, Sanchez and, and Scott Harding before him were two of the more efficient you know, place kickers in the conference. And it's going to be really interesting to see you know, whether Hawaii can improve you know, the defense's average field position because you know, in the last couple of years, they've finished you know, right around triple digits in that regard. And you know, if they can find a dude, whether it's Stefanovic or Maskell, who can pin opponents back a little bit further, you know, like an extra three or four yards could make a difference for you know, stopping a drive and keeping it going. Hey, it's a game of inches, right? Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's um, get to uh, take a quick timeout here, and we'll get to the schedule talk, and we'll go through Hawaii's uh, 2017 schedule. All right, Hawaii on the islands. Week zero opponent at UMass. You know this game was nearly played at uh, Fenway Park? I didn't know that. It was very close. I think it got moved because it's supposed to be later in the year. It almost got played at Fenway due to them wanting to uh, 
get in on the action of uh, baseball stadiums or parks hosting uh, college football games. I've seen what can happen. We've seen at uh, what Wrigley Field, they had to go the same direction every time. <laughs> or yeah, the team, you know, they they already play at Gillette Stadium, if I'm not mistaken, and they don't show up there either. No, yeah, exactly. This mentions here on campus at McGurk Stadium. Is that something new? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I was under the impression because I've talked to Coach Whipple there a few times before about other college football things with BYU and stuff, and they've always mentioned at Gillette. I guess they're at McQuirk McQuirk Stadium. Yeah, 17,000-seat multi-purpose stadium in Hadley, Massachusetts, on the campus of UMass Amherst. So it's – I think they're mixing up. I don't think they play every game at Gillette or Gillette Stadium because, obviously, Patriots there. But I'm wondering if they play – I think they play a couple games on campus just because they can. And this game, it's probably going to be – There's here's the thing about this game. It's probably going to be on a Time Warner Oceanic, despite ESPNU and News having an open slot that weekend, because mm-hmm. it's that week zero game. But in my understanding, Time Warner has to have seven games on their network each year to make up what are the millions they pay to Hawaii. So even though it's a, a game in the mainland, it's probably going to be only available if you have, in Hawaii, which kind of stinks, but it's the way it is. Unless there's a hero on Reddit out there somewhere. Periscope hero, right? Facebook yeah. Life Hero, come on. There's more options now to do so. So Reddit CFB, get on this, folks. So as for the game itself, um, Hawaii should be victorious. They beat UMass last year. UMass is still rebuilding here and there. And they're now a new independent as well, which not that that matters, but it's a note to have. Do you realize that Hawaii is only 45% to win this game? Well, you know how far they're traveling, don't you? It's pretty far. That's, I mean, that's as far as about as far as you can go and still be in the United States, yeah. And, you know, traveling east is never easy. Like, we would have expected, you know, New Mexico, for example, to beat Rutgers last year. But, I mean, UMass is bad. Like, they have, like, yeah, they have, like, one good... The tight end who transferred or something. Adam Brenneman, who's pretty good, probably among the better tight ends in the country. So, I mean, he could cause some trouble. And, you know, Andrew Ford wasn't completely hopeless as a quarterback last year. He did have 26 touchdowns, which is pretty good. But, you know, the offensive line was not very good, and they were replacing three starters. You know, they were... This is a game that, you know, if Hawaii wants to hit the ground running, you know, they should win this game pretty handily. Okay, I found the mileage. Okay. From Honolulu to Amherst, Massachusetts. Do you want to guess the mileage? It's probably like 5,800 miles. You overshot it a bit. 5,006 miles. Oh. And it's a noon kickoff time. I believe that's what it is. Well, maybe it's not. It's this TBA here. But if it's a noon kickoff time on the East Coast, at 6 a.m. local time in Hawaii. Wow. <laughs> that's um, got to stink, right? Even so, you know, Hawaii should have enough weapons to basically put this game out of reach early. They should. I, I think that, I mean, I'm wondering if, I mean, with it being week one, I don't think there's too much of an issue of not, first off, you're not, you're going to be ready for the game. It's week one, clearly. I guess the time's still TBA, but maybe that noon slot is what's available on ESPN News. So if it is that first game at that time, it's week one, you're probably traveling. They know how to travel, so they're probably going to get there. Thursday morning, I would assume. Because mm-hmm. school probably hasn't started yet, so give them a full day plus 
full day to travel there because you're probably stopping in LA and then either what Chicago, Dallas, or Atlanta, then up to Massachusetts. Who knows if they're in a, a LA to Boston once they get into town or into the mainland, but that's a long day of traveling. So if they're there Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, they're starting to get ready. They'll be fine. They should win. So is there a line on this game? Because man, when we're in Vegas, we should put something on that part of a parlay. I am not certain. But Hawaii's going to win. I I have them being victorious. So do you, correct? Yes. All right, then they play Western Carolina. Victory moving on. Then they go to the Rose Bowl to face UCLA. A little bit of a down year last year, right? For sure. The, the Rosen won no more, right? Well, I mean, it, it didn't help that he was hurt off and on all of last year, though. Just saying. doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, I think it does because we know that he did, you know, back in 2015. And if he's fully healthy... You know, he's got a full complement of weapons coming back around him. Like, they've got, you know, maybe an unproven running game, you know, because nobody, nobody on the team ran for more than 321 yards last year, which is not great. But he does have a couple of talented receivers, and he does have an experienced offensive line coming back with a lot of career starts. And with the questions that... You know, I have about Hawaii secondary. It could be a long afternoon for them. It, it very well could be, especially if Rosen is healthy and they find some sort of a running game. It's a game they're probably not going to win, but it's on. It's at LA. It's at the Rose Bowl. Right now, the projection to what twenty point, twenty points, twenty one point loss. Mm-hmm. I think Hawaii might be able to hang around a bit more than that. Yeah, I don't think they're going to shrink from this from this matchup. But I mean, UCLA is going to rebound and be a pretty good team in the Pac-12. I think so, because if you look at what they did last in the bowl game, they played a pretty good quarterback at Brett Stockstill and held him okay. Not, like, I'm not saying Stockstill's Rosen, but they're not, if you look at NFL stuff, they're probably not too far off mm-hmm. and being at least being drafted. Rosen, uh, clearly probably a first-rounder, or at least what's what people are telling me or what people are saying. Yeah. And But Stockstill's a he's a slinger as well. It's just nearly in that same area is pretty good. They're not, it's... I think you're right. It's a secondary. Who's going to step up? Because they'll have two weeks of playing teams that aren't very good. So you got to step up in competition. So that's two ways. First off, you may not be as ready. Not that they won't be ready, but by playing against better talent than you. Because UMass talent, pretty similar. Probably more toward Hawaii. But Western Carolina, they'll get the reps in. But it'll be a big difference seeing Rosen throw the ball compared to whoever Western Carolina puts under center. Yeah. How would you see... um, UCLA not winning this game and Hawaii getting the upset. I mean, I think a lot of it is, you know, if Rosen isn't back to 100%, that could make a huge difference because I think both of these teams are going to be able to throw the ball against each other because, you know, UCLA wasn't a great pass rushing team last year. And this year they don't have, uh, you know, Tack McKinley coming back. He was far and away their best pass rusher. So Brown could have a pretty good afternoon and keep you know the Warriors in this game with both his arm and his leg. You know, I think if he can have a field day, like if he can throw for 350 yards and a few touchdowns and they can slow Rosen down just enough with that front seven, who knows? I mean, I don't have a great feeling about it, but I, it wouldn't shock me the way that other upsets might shock me if they happened. I agree. So I'm looking at what they did last year. Like, like there's, I know it's part of an injury, but their success rate on both offense and defense were one of the worst in the country. They have a lot of areas where, I know it's just Rosen, Rosen being hurt, but 
a lot of the offense wasn't good on first down, second or third down, like the standard rushing yard play position or downs. They weren't very good. One of the worst in the country, even on just regular, regular downs, they weren't very good. Again, that's with Rosen being hurt and everything, but overall they didn't get the quarterback all that well. And Brown can move. And so it's another layer of them trying to chase down a running back. They lose a couple of starters, like you said, on defense or defense and line linebacker defensive line and secondary. They lose about half of their production from last year from a defense that wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. And technically it's 40% production or lose their returning. Not, I know that's maybe talking myself into a win, but don't be surprised if they put a big scare in UCLA at the Rose Bowl. Yeah. But I'd say they keep it within 20, within like two touchdowns, I'm thinking. And then after that, they get into conference play and they get thrown right into the fire. At After a bye week, though, they go to um, for the uh, Hawaiian Cowboy Trophy at Wyoming. An ESPN game of some sorts. Time TBD, but this... It's a, right now, they're about a 10-point dog on the road. And people have heard me talk about Wyoming. I'm not extremely high. Like I was talking to previous podcast, the guys from um, the stamp, dailystampede.com. He's like, what about Wyoming? And he's like, trying to, he's like, oh, they're going to be great, right? They're going to win 10 or 11 games. I'm like, uh, probably maybe eight games. Oh, I, I think that's what I have Wyoming at because of what they lost. So I know it's tough to travel to Laramie. Every place is tough to travel to, but they, like, you can hear prior shows, but loss of receivers, Tanner Gentry, Brolier, Brian Hill. If they get a bye week after UCLA to heal up, Stuff could happen. I don't. I'm not predicting a victory here, but this game's always a right. They've been playing forever. They got freaking trophy on the line. It's true. I mean, I, if you listen, if you have listened to our Hawaii, our Wyoming podcast, rather, you would already know that I have this as a loss for Hawaii, just because you know I think that the defense, you know, for the Cowboys is going to be a little better than some people think. And, you know, even though they're losing a lot out of the skill positions, you know, they still have Josh Allen and you would expect Josh Allen to do pretty well against a lackluster pass rush and a team with a lot of questions in the secondary. Yeah, you got C.J. Johnson back there if you give Josh Allen time to roll out and throw. And at this point, Wyoming should know who the running back is. They should figure out a second and third receiver. And like the defense, Andrew Wingard, Logan Wilson, they may not get those defensive touchdowns last year. I think they had about six, but they're going to be just as. It's finally the time where year one of Craig Bolt was just awful and terrible with a bunch of freshmen. Last year, when guards moved up, Logan Wilson's a freshman played well. This next year, they're going to take another step and probably going to shut down this Hawaii offense a little bit. But it's tough to win at Laramie, and they're. I think that again, like I said, Hawaii is not going to win this game, and Wyoming's going to be a vic- victory, victorious, I should say. And then after that, they come home to face Colorado State. It's uh, also a loss there, sorry. Nick Stevens, Josh Allen, back-to-back weeks, that's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> it's at home, and so there's always a chance of something to happen, but their win probability is 21%. Less <laughs> than at Wyoming. <laughs> that sounds about right to me. Just, yeah, the secondary, uh, try, good luck stopping Michael Gallup and everybody else. So let's go into the next one. We've talked about this game before. We don't want to repeat ourselves too much or make these super long. They go to Nevada. A little bit different um, because last time we talked about Nevada, obviously James Butler is gone. He went to Iowa. I had this – or wait. Sorry, sorry. I'm, my schedule's mixed up here. So, yeah, they go to Nevada. I still I had this at a victory last time. I still, obviously, even more so going to put this as a victory because they lose 
what, what would you say James Butler, him and Rashard Penny were the top two running backs in the conference? I think that's a fair argument to make, yeah. And we had Butler at 25 in our top 50 list, and we're keeping it that way. We're not changing it. No, no why point. would we? <laughs> why would we? We made this much much time, or, man, I can't speak today. A lot earlier, much earlier than his July 4th transfer. And the only concern I have, because it's a uh, 48, basically a toss-up. That was with Butler there, but my big concern probably yours would be that uh, Norvell, Mummy, Timmy Chang passing offense that Nevada is going to bring in. Yeah, like I said, you know, I'll probably just end up saying this a lot, but go for it. You know, both of these teams are probably going to be able to throw the ball against each other. And so, I think Hawaii can run too, right, against this yeah. uh, defensive line. And so I guess it wouldn't surprise me if it were more of like a shootout where it's like a forty-five to forty kind of game. But I expect Hawaii to pull this game out. All right, then they go to San Jose State, or excuse me, back home to San Jose State to. I, I'm surprised this is that close. I, I don't get why Hawaii's projected so low. Like the win totals and like Bavada Bavada and everything's like been four to four and a half, which I don't clearly get. Are we I, are we overlooking something? Why is it so low? Because the San Jose State game's just basically a toss up as well. I what are we missing? Be, I mean, it's probably just those questions on the defense. If I'm being honest, but that's only one position. The secondary, like I said, they don't face too many gunslingers this year. Not the enough to the secondary and the offensive or and the defensive line rather. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, the, well, but they're at they they were at four and now four and a half after the suspension. So I don't know, but could stick with San Jose State here. We both. I have this as a victory. I assume you do as well. Correct. Yes. Because it's at home, the quarter again quarterback situation. New again the new coaching theme on in the Western Division. Brett Brennan's there. They'll have a decent running attack. Maybe Josh Love. Assume he's a starter at this point. It just there's not a lot in San Jose that provi- provides me confidence saying they can win. Because with San Jose State, I predicted them. Where's my record here? Uh, three and ten. Yeah. Sec- Secondary is the only place where maybe they can, or they've always made some noise. Yeah, I think they, they should be able to win pretty easily. All right, then they get a bye week, then they host San Diego State. This is going to be for the Western Division crown, but not really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think they're going to get run off the field like they did last year when they lost at San Diego State, but you know, we know that the Aztecs are probably going to be really good. Yeah, like I said, the offensive line is a concern for me at San Diego State. Are they going to have a better passing game? Hopefully, but it's just going to – I think with, with Hawaii, with having multiple options, like with Brown can run, with uh, Juice being able to be the running back, whoever's going to step at wide receiver, it's a little bit of a concern. But I think they're going to be – I don't think they're going to be worse than last year, but they don't have enough because the defensive line, losing that many players, this could be – this wouldn't shock me if it's a game like that Fresno game last year where San Diego State just runs and runs and holds the ball, and their defense does just enough to not allow Hawaii to do much of anything, maybe a touchdown, maybe 10 points. Yeah, I mean, you know, looking back at last year's box score, it's kind of hard to imagine that Drew Brown would be so bad again because in last year's game, he only had 135 yards on 35 attempts, mind you, and three interceptions. Like, he's probably going to be a little bit better than that. But, you know, San Diego State's probably going to have this one in hand pretty pretty well. I agree as well. So next week, uh, next game is a uh, – shoot, I lost the schedule here. Who's next, Matt? 
at UNLV. Hmm. They've played each other forever when they're in the whack, when they're they've always played each other. It's always been a game. Again, Hawaii's the underdog in this game technically. Hmm. I don't buy it. I don't buy it one bit. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, for all the questions that we've talked about with Hawaii, like we'll we'll talk more at length about UNLV in a future podcast, but they've got a lot of questions on defense. And so while we kind of know what they're going to be able to do on offense, you know, if, Cam Newton, Cam Newton's there. <laughs> Ronnie Rogers. Anyway, um, <laughs> we, know we know they're going to be able to run the ball and we know that they have some talent at receiver. If they can find a quarterback who can get them the football, but you know, and this not get another, injured either. Like last year, that was tough. But this is another instance where I think that drew Brown's really going to be licking his chops. I think you and a league be successful because like Charles Williams, Lexington Thomas running the ball against this defensive line. All jokes aside, Armani Rogers projected to be a pretty good quarterback. He redshirted last year. They're receiving core uh, Kendall keys and Dante, uh, shoot Dante Boyd, right? He's the one who's there that Dante Devante. Yes. De- Devante. Sorry, not Dante Devante. They had two Devante. So they have a, they're receiving cores. One of the better in the co- better ones in the conference. If Rogers can throw well, I could see that against the secondary. At this point, everybody should be – we know who they are, week 10, 11, 12. Not too many surprises, but sitting here in the summer, that's an area where UNLV could exploit them. It is a road game where it always dings you, um, Hawaii quite a bit. But say, I haven't seen that. I Maybe this will be a game like the Wyoming game last year, 69 to 66 in triple overtime. I think I think a lot of games, we, we've you made the trend, pass a lot against each other and a lot of points. I think there could be a lot of points in this game. But Drew Brown, like – when you look, look at UNLV's defensively, they've never had – they got – what was the score last year versus Idaho? They lost to Idaho last year. Come on. You know what, though? They did beat Hawaii last year. They did at Hawaii, so there's that. As <laughs> When was that game last year? Was that early or late in the year? I assume late because – It was in the middle of the year, mid-October. Who was quarterback for UNLV in that game? Uh, what is Dalton Sneed? Oh, transfer. Now former Rebel. For, okay, I think it'll be like that game, forty-one thirty-eight. So, that's fair. I think it'll be a shootout. I think again, overall with Hawaii, it's Hawaii because Tony Sanchez year one to year two got a little better. Rolovich took a team that was terrible, took him to a bowl game and a bowl victory in year one, and second in the division. So, not saying Rolovich is a better coach than Sanchez, but what he did and what he had, I think that makes him better, and they're going to win this game. That sounds about right. All right, then they got Fresno State. Win. Uh, I have that. I have that as a victory for Hawaii because it's at home, and Fresno is well. We're gonna win maybe two or three games. They're a work in progress. Anything else we need to add about Fresno? The we've already talked about them last year. The offensive line work. Nope, is a work in progress. We're good. I guess the only, th- the only thing I'll say again is like the re- similar to UNLV receiving core is an area where they could uh, make some noise in this game with Chase and Virgil throwing to them. Yeah. At Utah State. This is an interesting game here because Utah State, I don't know what to make of Utah State. Because you got Ken, Kendall Myers, or Kent Myers, excuse me. You got the new offense with David Yost there who's going to want to just basically do what uh, Nevada's going to do, go f- pass happy, up-tempo pace, slinging the ball downfield uh, to Rontavian Carver. Again, if you haven't heard, Rashad Lewis is out. He transferred to Maryland, so that's a big blow for them. However, what was the running back award where Tony Lindsay was on there, but not Richard Penny? I believe that was the Dope. Walker Award. 
oh, the best running back in the country didn't have a thousand yard rusher on the team. Yeah, I, the I, I, I feel like that was someone at San Diego stayed asleep at the wheel on that one. Forgot to didn't send in the fax to the they got the wrong fax number for the submission. I have no idea. Anyway, <laughs> but if maybe they send a good campaign, the running back group for Utah State, who knows? It might be better. Tony Lindsay and uh, Lawan Hunt. I want to say maybe it'll do something, but. I got Hawaii, man. Yeah, and well, and if you listen to our Utah State podcast, you'd already know I have the Aggies in this one. Why was that again? To let these Hawaii fans know. I mean, I think that the defense is going to be, a, you know, even though they're losing a lot, that the defense is going to be a little bit better than a lot of people realize. And you know, if Myers can get comfortable in this up-tempo offense, I feel like that's the kind of thing that could be really problematic against this Hawaii defense. All right, so final game of the year. BYU. <laughs> BYU. They're a common theme on this schedule. It's in Hawaii. We've proposed and others to say this could be a trap game for BYU just because it's end of the year. Their bowl situation is going to be locked up. I miss, Well, maybe not because they're a, technically a free agent this year. They're not going to any particular bowl. But there are other many shows like Fresno, Utah State, uh, Boise. I am not a fan of BYU's uh, receiving core. Mm-hmm. They'll have some good tight ends. They running back. They have a good offensive line, so it probably make Squally Canada is probably their starter look well and do run well. No Jamal Williams, but run well. But overall, Hawaii, Hawaii doesn't have enough in this game. It's one of the one of the few games, like I mentioned before, where there's a really good quarterback in Tanner Mangum, and it just depends on if his receivers or tight ends can actually catch the ball. There you go. And, oh, and that's a sorry loss for uh, Hawaii. Yeah, I have if you weren't a loss as well. So for me, that puts them at 7-5. and five. They do not play the 13th game this year, which is kind of interesting. They usually do, but whatever they don't, that's fine. What's your What was your record for this uh, Warriors program? Uh, I have them at 6-6, six and 4-4 six, four and four in conference. Interesting. Second place, I'm assuming, in the division? Yeah. I have them 7-5 and five overall. And in league play, I have one loss, two loss. Three losses, five because the Utah State game is different. Five and three in league play, they're going to be playing in the Hawaii Bowl probably. Do you think they'd set up a matchup between Middle Tennessee State again if they don't win the Conference USA? I mean, that would be pretty fun, wouldn't it? It would be Brent Stock still back in the island slinging the ball. The one of the better him throwing to I forget the receiver's name, but one of the best receivers in the country, Richie James. That'd be a pretty good matchup. That yep, that's correct. I mean, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure the put- Middle Tennessee fans wouldn't mind another trip to Hawaii. Let's put it that way. Who wouldn't? No kidding. So if we take take a gander, what game are they going to wear the rainbow uniforms? Because they did not wear them last year at all. Ooh, that's very disappointing. It is, it's always they should just like bring that back full time. But anyway, um, my guess is they, Under Armour get on that. Come on, Under Armour. My guess is they probably bring it back for one of the bigger games, which I imagine is either Colorado State or BYU. If it's a home game, I'm betting BYU. Partly because they've been they've been conference mates forever, back in the whack, and they've had some pretty big games. They they're one of the games where um they knocked BYU out of contention for like the BCS years and years ago when they're undefeated, like crushed them. Like it was like I forget the score, but it was like just some massive blowout game where BYU was. Um, if I remember, it's like they've already announced that BYU's out of consideration for the BCS despite being 10 and 0, which is pretty ridiculous on the front when you're undefeated two games left and you're already considered out of the BCS. 
but Hawaii just smoked them. So I, partly because of history, I'm going to go that game. If it's a road game, it's got to be UCLA at the Rose Bowl. That would be pretty cool. I'm, but I'm betting if they do, it's going to be the BYU game. That yeah, that sounds good to me. Do you have any parting shots or final thoughts on this game or this season for Hawaii? Not game, I, season. It's going to be they're going to be a fun team to watch, and I feel like if you can watch them, and I feel like the you know the offense is going to make them really interesting, and I'm confident enough in that over that when we were in Vegas last week, I actually put money on Hawaii to go over four and a half. So good call. That's my vote of that's my vote of approval or my vote of confidence for Nick Rolovich and his team this year. When you stick money down, you're pretty confident. It was only ten dollars, but still. Hey, still, it's still money. It's, yeah, you'll get what, what eleven or twelve bucks back if you win, right? Something like that, I believe. I believe it was seventeen dollars and ten cents. Hey, and get you a decent, get you some burrito money, right? Exactly. You got to head back to Vegas or to redeem, <laughs> which not too far of a drive for you, so you can always do that. Um, I got no final thoughts. I, I want to see the secondary step up, but I want to see Drew Brown have like. I want to, here's what I want to say. I want to see Hawaii get their name back out there in the uh, conference and the national scene. Like putting a scare in UCLA would be pretty good for two and zero. And going to Wyoming, there'll be a lot of pub there because it'll talk about a lot of Josh Allen. That Josh Allen Drew Brown matchup matchup will be pretty good. I just want them to be better and people kind of talking about them a bit more and not being kind of laughing stock that we're under uh, Norm Chow. At a minimum, we know that they'll be there for all of our late late night football meets. Exactly. Not every game is set up in time. You have a couple. I think the only late night games for sure is that Western Carolina game is like midnight Eastern. Everything else, uh, TBA, the um, Hawaii game versus BYU is on CBS Sports Network. So that's a good one. It's like a 10 p.m. Eastern kickoff, I believe. My math is right. Mm-hmm. But they're still working on some times for certain games. But typically it's that mid- midnight Eastern, 10 Pacific or 9 Pacific game. So. Look out for that. We need a Periscope hero, a Twitter hero, Facebook Live hero for everything Hawaii football. And you just lock your screen and watch the game, right? Yes. That's it for our show tonight. So, again, check us out. Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher. Tell a couple of friends about the show. Oh, we did have one question here. Is Dice May St. Juice the best name in the conference? Ooh, that's a tough question. It might be, yeah. It's got to be some one of the Polynesian names from the conference, just because they're always a uh, unique. I mean, I am kind of fond of Q Drennan. Ron, T- Ron Quavion Tar- Ron, oh, <laughs> Ron Quavion Tarver. That's probably my let's vote. Not, let's not for, let's not forget Saint Just's teammate, Rogesterman Ferris the <laughs> second. Not Junior the second. <laughs> there, it's up. It's top five minimum. Top five. There we go. I think that's the only question we got. Somebody asked about Nick Rolovich or something about the uh, coaching staff, but he, he's a pretty good coach. Not coach of the year, but um, he'll make he'll make some noise. Hopefully he sticks around for a while and get Hawaii back to where they should be. All right, so like I said, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, or no, jeez, <laughs> tune in, I should say. Tell a couple of friends. Check us out at Patreon. We have their fantasy football league still up and running. If you want to win some money, beat me or beat Matt football, do it. That'd be awesome because you can win some cash and help us out as well. And uh, we have at this point. Um, no, I'm not going to mention that because it's going to be outdated, perhaps. But who's our? Who, what teams do we have left? We have UNLV and Air, and uh, Air Force. Is that it? That is it. West. Oh, interesting. Two games left. Two teams left. 
Camps are starting as you hear this. There's football happening somewhere in the country. Yes. Maybe at your school. At your school, maybe. <laughs> so that's it. Check us out again. Collegefootballnews.com backslash MWC Wire. Same on Twitter and Facebook. And as always, yes, revise to get your football team.